Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. Today's podcast is about something I don't think I have spoken about on the podcast before, which is exciting. And it was a question from the Commit to Six check-ins, but I didn't want to do it with Andy and Shona because I thought they might find it quite boring, me just talking for ages. (laughs) And I thought actually it would be quite cool to go into a little bit more detail on it. So the question is, what makes someone good at marathon running? So like what dictates performance there? And I guess we could look more broadly at this as what dictates endurance performance. And there are three main factors to this. So number one is your VO2 max. Number two is your running or exercise economy. And number three is the percentage of your VO2 max that you can sustain. And I'll come on to that in a second. So if we start with VO2 max, your VO2 max is the maximum rate of oxygen consumption. And it's measured by graded exercise that progressively increases. So it's usually either running or on a bike, but maybe on like a rowing erg, you could do it as well. And you measure the oxygen and carbon dioxide exhaled. And the point at which you reach your VO2 max isn't necessarily exhaustion, which most people think. It's your VO2 max point is reached when oxygen consumption remains the same, so steady, despite an increase in workload. And this is because this is a sign that you are now predominantly using anaerobic metabolism and the amount of exercise you could maintain at vo2 max or above vo2 max is pretty finite because you start to get quite a lot of metabolic buildup you'll know the feeling if (laughs) if you've ever tried to exercise at that higher intensity for any given period of time And what matters for performance is the speed at which you are running or cycling or whatever you're doing at VO2 max. So in untrained individuals, VO2 max usually increases as part of your adaptations to aerobic or endurance training. But in trained individuals or like professional athletes, you're unlikely to see much difference in VO2 max. So for example, most of the marathon runners say at the world championships or the olympic games probably have very similar vo2 max levels and it's the speed at which they run at vo2 max or as we'll come on to any percentage of vo2 max which matters and that is where running economy comes in and actually before i move on from that point i think a really interesting observation is that and I'm not 100% sure on the exact age range but from when Paula Radcliffe was like a very good junior so let's say like 18 years old until when she broke the world record her VO2 max didn't really change but the speed at which she could run at her VO2 max did change so basically there is a large genetic component to your vo2 max but also the in well the training induced responses and increased vo2 max become saturated as you become 
well-trained. So then the real difference between two people with very similar VO2 max scores is running economy or exercise economy. And this is essentially how efficient you are. So those who require less oxygen while running at any given intensity are said to have better running economy. And as I said, at the elite or at least very well-trained level, running economy is more predictive of exercise performance than VO2 maxes. And the final factor here is the speed at which you can run without accumulating excessive amounts of lactate. And this is sometimes known as lactate threshold. So most endurance runners, especially at a distance of a marathon, would be trying to run at just under lactate threshold so that you're not building up lactate. So although we produce lactate below this level, below this exercise intensity, it doesn't build up in the same way. So once we see that start to rise very rapidly, that's known as your lactate threshold. But below that point, lactate is still produced and it's essentially what allows anaerobic metabolism, so the breakdown of glucose without oxygen to occur. And this is what allows us to exercise at a decent intensity because otherwise with oxygen it takes a long time or comparatively quite a long time to break down glucose or to break down fat for ATP to fuel exercise. So this point of excessive lactate buildup means that we're no longer clearing the lactate that we are producing efficiently. And this indicates a level of exercise that cannot be maintained, which is why endurance athletes would try and sit just below that level so that they can maintain that intensity over a long period of time. And endurance training and adaptations of endurance training will allow you to perform at higher intensities before lactate builds up. So you could push the intensity of exercise you can do below lactate threshold up, i.e. you would be running at a faster pace at lactate threshold than someone else. So for example, I'm probably quite sure that even though Paula's not, you know, elite level anymore, her lactate threshold would be much higher than mine. So my pace for a marathon would be substantially lower than hers, given I would start to accumulate lactate exponentially at a much lower running speed than she would. Now, the other huge factor that comes into why someone is good at marathon running or, well, yeah, that was the initial question, wasn't it? What makes someone good at marathon running is the psychological aspect. Like, it blows my mind how someone can concentrate even, let alone produce such a high level of effort for like two to three hours at the elite level. Like, that's insane. I can't even concentrate on anything for that long, let alone with my body probably telling me from about half an hour in, I want to stop. (laughs) 
And I remember listening to a podcast with Andy Jones, who is Paula Radcliffe's physiologist or was Paula Radcliffe's physiologist or one of. And he said that he had never seen anyone push themselves as much as Paula. In fact, I think he said Paula could hurt herself more than anyone. I don't know why, but that like really stuck with me. Paula could hurt herself more than anyone you can tell that I like massively looked up to her as a child I'm like oh she's the most amazing thing but then I actually read her biography and I remember finding it I hope this oh should I say this probably not but I remember finding it really boring and then I said to my mum she's like oh how are you getting on with that book and I was like it's quite boring if I'm honest and she's she was like what do you expect (laughs) all she does is run and I was like oh yeah it's quite a one-dimensional life but I think that comes back to something I was talking about this morning actually that success usually comes as a result of committing to the fundamentals over and over again and what normally holds people back is the notion that it should be exciting at all times And I've never done a marathon and I've never trained for a marathon, but I can imagine a lot of the training is quite monotonous. It's certainly not always exciting. And a quote I love about this is, it's been said that the path to success is through mundane, difficult, unexciting daily disciplines over time. And I think that's kind of holds true for a lot of things. Although there will be exciting parts of it, like I'm sure breaking the world record was pretty exciting. The I'm at, like that's one percent of what she does. Like the other ninety nine percent is boring as hell. It is getting out, putting the hours in, making sure she's hydrated, making sure her nutrition's on point, making sure she gets to bed on time. Like the life of an of an athlete for 99.999% of the time is boring as hell. But then you see the exciting part where they're at the Olympic Games or they're winning races, but they would never have got there without the boring as hell mundane training beforehand. And it's kind of when you break down any big goal, it's sort of the same. Like it might look great the day that you're graduating from university, or the day that you get your PhD and you're called a doctor. But I think people massively underestimate the amount of hard graft and boring times that have gone into that. And by far, the biggest thing that I see that differentiates people or differentiates between the people who achieve big things and get the results that they want and the people who don't is consistency. It's just getting up and doing it every day even when it is boring in fact especially when it is boring and when it's boring that is when most people give up and I also think that most people think that successful people have a secret like something special about them and I'm not saying that you know elite level athletes aren't genetically blessed of course they are but really one of the key ingredients is just consistently working hard when other people would have been bored and already had given up. And at the elite level, yeah, it's a little bit different. Like, Paula Radcliffe's physiology was incredible. Like, you don't see that all the time. However, on like a lower level, if you're looking at your peers and you're like, 
oh, why did they get the fat loss results that I've been working hard to get? When something's well within your reach, so we're not looking at breaking the world record for the marathon or anything that's like pushing your genetic potential, just simply losing a bit of weight. You are so capable of that. Like it is so within what you can achieve that the only secret there really is consistency. Like there are limitations at the end of these things. Like if you, I don't know, want to become the best piano player in the world, there might be limitations there. I don't really know how that's judged either. But if you're like, I want to be able to play, no, I can't think of anything, a certain song on the piano, or I want to be able to play the piano to grade two. I also don't know what grade two is, if that is relevant or not. But to a level that is completely achievable, the only thing holding you back is probably your own lack of consistency and what's stopping you being consistent is boredom because you'll do it for the first little while. This is how all hobbies probably end up ending is, oh yeah, I got I got a piano and I started playing it for a little bit and then what happened? Oh, I got bored. Yeah, that's why you didn't get the results there. Not because it was unattainable for you. Of course that's within your reach. Anyone who puts their mindset to that can do that. Anyone who puts their mindset to it can lose weight. Like it's not unachievable for anyone. Some people might need a little bit more support, but it's certainly not out with your capabilities. If you want to achieve almost anything that's worth having, you're gonna have to work through the mundane and the boring. What I find quite exciting is reminding myself that most of my goals, in fact, all of my goals, are well within my potential. So really the only thing holding me back is myself. Which will lead beautifully onto a podcast I'm gonna do shortly, which is about self-sabotage. Taj, sabotage. Okay, I have run out of attention span. Wow, how good would I be at a marathon? We are 14 and a half minutes into this podcast and my attention's gone. I have also said everything that I wanted to say, so, you know, I like to keep it succinct. And thus, heareth endeth the podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you know what to do. Tag me in your story share it with a friend, send it to someone who runs marathons, send it to someone who's setting themselves limiting beliefs. Okay, thanks guys.